If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio. War Chant TV on a Redemption Thursday. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house as well. A Jay Cameron Show on uh, X there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I made myself laugh. I see you. Very close in the camera there, Tom. You are making your presence known. <laughs> uh, hungry? Yes. The answer was yes. I'm I, better I now. Tell, I can tell. You were like quickly trying to organize. Like, I got to get this food in me before I say a word. Yeah, it was one of those like, uh, can I get six bites in between the beginning of the music and then once we get into our, our back and forth? And I did. Redemption Thursday wagers. Let's get right to them right off the bat. By the way, good card for betting this week. I think we can get a bunch of games. I think there's uh, more than I I added. I have an 11 pick card right there. Oh, goodness. But I have probably about, I don't know, 13 or 14, and, and then we'll mix in tomorrow's wagers that I'll, I'll bring to the table. Split on the player props. I got to get gotta get back in the winning ways, uh, but uh, I... I I think we've got more than just what this card has here, which uh, I appreciate. And I also, as I want to do, would say, thanks, Metro Deli. 
I don't see why not. I could use one of those turkey grinder wraps right now. Delicious. You would have it in the veggie wrap, the green one, right? That or the tomato uh, wrap. Tomato basil? Yeah, tomato basil is really good, too. Yep, Hard to beat. Hard to beat. Uh, So it is that uh, we get these wagers. I've got Boston College on the money line at plus 114 against Syracuse. Better odds to just take them to win straight up than take the two. So I'll do that. It's kind of a weird line. It makes me nervous when I see lines that are strange. Syracuse has been into the side of a mountain for weeks, and they're somehow favored. So give me Boston College here. Makes me a little nervous. Uh, Memphis minus 13.5 against USF. I have really faded USF since midway through last year and made a lot of money doing it. They're just ass. And that program's in complete disarray. Do you remember? It is hard to imagine now, but they really thought, folks at USF, and for a brief moment when they were number two in the country, uh, they actually thought that they were the next great superpower in college football and that they were on the cusp of passing Florida State, Florida, and Miami by in the state of Florida. So much so that they put up a big giant sign welcoming themselves into the club. I remember around 2012, a mutual friend of ours who worked in the business here in Tallahassee for a long time uh, had a spinoff USF site in addition to the Florida State site on that network because it was apparently a gold mine that could be tapped into. It was not. No, and they're useless. They don't, I mean, nobody, your only thought of USF is, oh man, I can bet against them again this week. That's all I ever think about with USF. Like, I can't believe that line's short there. If you'd like to go sweat, then go to USF home games all year long. Doesn't matter. Game one, game 12. If you just want to sit somewhere and sweat in the humidity, go to USF home games. So you're not going to be watching much football. I like Memphis. I've won money on them this year. I'll lay the 13 and a half. UTSA, good old times, Tom. Yeah, maybe you can you can siren this up a little bit. Bye. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. Yeah, but come on. You know I've had a good, long-standing relationship and feel for UTSA. Uh, it's the North Texas part of it that does it, probably. Uh, yeah, Roadrunners against the Mean Green, mm. right? Yeah, we'll lay the seven and a half in that one. The hook doesn't scare you. No, doesn't scare me. Doesn't scare me. Yeah, that's, that is 100% siren worthy. All right, Penn State, don't be ass. Do the right thing. This Maryland team just lost to Northwestern. Get a grip. This ought to be nowhere near that number. This ought to be huge. I'll lay the nine. And then when you lose, I'll never pick you to win another game ever again. Louisville minus nine and a half against Tom's Virginia Tech Hokies. Oh, all right. Come get you some, Lang. Louisville's going to put that beat down on Virginia Tech. Tall boys. All right, tall boys it is. You can have it. I like it. I just can't stay away from Fat Bielema. I just, he, he keeps bringing me back. I'll take Illinois on the money line to straight up beat Minnesota. Screw row the boat. We're going to go money line at plus 110 for Illinois to win the game outright. And just all those fans will go home cold and disappointed again. Auburn minus 12 and a half against Vandy. Really a bet more against Vandy than it is for Auburn. I like Middle Tennessee to beat New Mexico State at plus three here. I, I kind of like him on the money line. <laughs> I can feel it all the way down in my plums. There you go. There you go. Uh, I knew that was coming. I was mentally prepared. The siren was going to happen. Iowa State minus two and a half. This uh, against Kansas. Kansas and uh, Lance Leipold is a really good coach. It's just a bad spot for them. They took the goalposts. They marched them into the lake. 
and now they'll have this letdown game, and they'll lose on the road to Iowa State. Apparently, Iowa State has gotten it together. They a have bit. gotten it together, and I've taken notice. They're one of those one-loss teams There's in the Big Four 12. of them, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Texas there might be as many as five or six, but I know Tex- four are playing this weekend. Right, Texas, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, right? Uh, Kansas State too. I, I Kansas think. State. Oh, yeah. yeah. The biggest turnaround in college football this year is Oklahoma State. Yeah. After yep. getting beat thirty-three to seven by South Alabama, where it looked like their whole season was in ruins, they've turned all, it all around, and they got a kid that's running for over two hundred yards a game every week. It's insane. That they're they're a legitimate contender to knock off Oklahoma this week. And if three weeks ago I had told you that Oklahoma would be less than a touchdown favorite against Oklahoma State, you'd think I was crazy. Dylan Gabriel's hurt. Three offensive linemen are yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a weird deal there. Uh, Kentucky minus five and a half against Mississippi State. I like Kentucky to beat up Mississippi State here. And I like Alabama over LSU. And I like Alabama to uh, maybe win convincingly, guys. Come on, man. We need that one. Well, I, I could be wrong. I think we were 500 last week. So, you know, hope I'm wrong. If you, root against me, Tom. Tall boys. <laughs> you can do tall boys if you That's want. That's an emotional tall boy. That's not the right kind of tall boy. Virginia Tech is a real tall boy. Yeah, the um, if Wingo is out and it looks like he is, and he's a really good player for them, this becomes a problem for LSU, and that's where I'm going with this. And I do think if there's a candidate to get stops in this game, it's it's only one of those teams that gets stops. So I'm going to lean that direction and and pick Alabama to win the game, and they'll keep on keeping on. Just look. Just when it looked like we could all rid ourselves of Alabama, they, you know, he's a he's a good coach. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but but old Nick can really coach him up a little bit. So what are you gonna do? Glad to see one of you there. Said that you watched me on Andy Staples' show and that it was nice to hear somebody objectively talk up the Knowles. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate that. That was a, a fun little conversation. I enjoyed going on there and and having that conversation. I was asked to do that on a few shows, and. Uh, you know, you could, it's it's fun when you have those conversations because you get to delve into everything about what the season has meant and what the expectation was and what is the expectation now and the things that you really love about this team that are trending upwards. Uh, if there's a fear that every host is going to ask you if there's a downside to this team, what is it? It's fun to vet that too. Um, you know, just to kind of ask yourself, what is the uh, what is the the reality of our situation and and what is possible? And of course, I think you can say with a straight face and as objective as you can. I think with a straight face, you can say Florida State is a legitimate contender to win the national championship. Now, if we were in Las Vegas at a sports book, Tom, and I were to lay money on the eventual national champion that I thought would win it, it would not be Florida State. But that doesn't mean they can't win it, and it doesn't mean that I think it's very long odds that they win it. it. It's not that at all. Um, I We're almost, um, we're oddly in a, in, a, in a weird space, as we talked about yesterday. Like, we've got, I, I think we've got a program now on our hands that's going to be in this conversation a lot. That That's really what this year has taught me, is that I think we're going to be in this conversation moving forward often. And some years, We'll have fewer flaws than others, but we're going to be in the conversation. In other years, we're going to look dominant, and you, you'll look at the season differently. I think the way that we looked at this season coming in, I mean, 
even by virtue of just the conversation we had and when we did W's and L's and had so much fun with it, obviously, on the surface, it's it's by by record prediction alone, we thought the team was going to be really good. You know, I wouldn't pick them to go 11-1, and one, which is what I picked, if I didn't think they were really good. And you wouldn't have either if you didn't think they were really good. Um, but they're... But I would I would tell you I think they're even better than than that I think they're better than we thought they'd be. Uh, I think so. I think so. Now there's a part that's not. We thought the line would offensive line yeah. would be better, but other than that, I thought it was a playoff or bust type team because a lot of the things were coming together. But I thought maybe the offense like it. I think it would have played out if it, if it did the way I saw it that the offense would have been more dominant and the defense would have been more porous. The defense has been a little bit better than I thought it was going to be. And the offense, and the offense has been a little more inconsistent than yeah. I thought it was going to be. However, however. You feel like they're trending upwards. That yeah. offense is. Yeah. Yeah. They're attacking all parts of the fields. Uh, you're seeing schemed uh, well, yes. schemed shots, schemed plays underneath. And that's one of the things that's going to be broken down this week on the site. Um, where I, I look at this. Uh, to me, this might be Jordan Travis' most complete performance as a, as a seminal what we're coming off of against Wake. Now, the opponent isn't LSU like the opener last year, which was amazing, or it wasn't the superhero cape that he had to put on like he did against Florida last year in the final regular season game. But if you look about at all of the types of throws that he made and the willingness to run the football and scramble when it wasn't a design run, man, he, to me, is going to a different place, an even higher place, and that could get really scary for opponents if that's going to be true. We'll see if it continues but the building blocks for the offense look completely different than they did in the first month of the season, which was, I got a one-on-one, I'm going to a one-on-one. There's more scheme interplayed with all of that now. Monday I said it was his best game. And I also said that um, not only was it his best game, but he's looking like he's getting healthier. I don't think he's been healthy until the last two weeks. I, I, in retrospect, you look back on it, I don't think he's been healthy all year until, we, until you look at these last couple of weeks. He might have been healthy in the LSU game. Um, but there were too many moments where he simply refused to take yards. Well, if it's the LSU game where something happens, and this is rampant speculation because there was really no indicator of it, my guess would be it's that last third down when Mm. we're up by two scores and he runs over the guy on the third and six. Maybe something happened in that moment because the throws he made last week, there's probably eight of them. Ten of them that yeah. are brilliant to no, all best, parts of the field. Yeah, and his best throw is made last week. It's the one to Morlock. That throw is insane. I'll tell you what, though. There are a couple of contenders from that game. There the are. Kentron throw on the first drive is brilliant. And then there's one of Jaheim Bell in the second quarter, yeah. Yeah. which is this just after the underneath throw where right, we pick up a third one. Up. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that is, I mean, another No, he, he, made, he made pro throws last week in a way that he hasn't consistently made all year long. And I, again, think it's getting back to being healthy. I mentioned on Monday when we were having this discussion about the, the level of high level of play for him on Saturday, uh, he was also more technically sound than he's ever been. That this is, these are all indicators to me, so he's not shying away from certain things anymore. Like, I think that the bad habits developed in an, in an attempt to avoid being hit my guess, my wild speculation, admittedly, is that that shoulder was bothering him for a long time, and he did not want to take any more hits on it. And so you see that fadeaway back foot nonsense that causes the ball to sail a lot. Now, the thing about him is that he would have stretches where that 
you know, he has a miss or he, he has an opportunity and he doesn't take it or whatever it might be that frustrates you for the moment. But he always came out of it within the game. Like when it became, uh, as they say, nut cutting time, uh, my man would make the plays. And so you'd say, okay, well, it's there. But that's when he knew, like, I, I got to make this play. We need to go win this game. You know, you'd see that. But if it was midway through the second quarter and we're up seven, it might be, ooh, don't want to take that hit. But you're not seeing any of that right now. Now you're seeing a guy who's confidently standing tall. He's not seeing ghosts. His footwork is right. He's not having – now, he did miss one throw high in this last game. He had Keon. He had Keon. But other than – that's his miss. But other than that – It's a good miss. Yes, yes. Uh, if you're, unless it's in the middle of the field, then it's not a good miss. But but that, that said, I he, you're seeing far fewer of them. And then moreover – what you are seeing is when it's not there, I'm going to take these points. I mean, these yards. I'm going to go ahead and get these yards. You yeah. guys are screwed. And he, do, he does it now. It's decisive. It's like, okay, first option's not open. Second option's not open. Okay, excuse me. I'm going to go ahead and get seven or 12. Yeah. And then that that's confidence. That's, that's now a willingness to put yourself out there that he didn't have earlier this year. Well, and that's – okay, so the drive that I think is Florida State's most scary – for opponents was the one that that includes the throw to Jaheim down the sideline. It ends one play later with uh, Keon Coleman's one-handed catch in the end zone. Mm-hmm. It's a five-play drive, but the first play is an underneath throw to Lawrence Toafili that's easy breezy, the kind of play that you see the expert NFL quarterbacks make all the time, which is, you're going to give me something easy, I'm in second and five. Yeah. And if a guy makes a man miss, then we're at first and ten, whatever. But it's Toafili, second and five. The next play, he's scanning down the field, doesn't see anything, takes off with gusto. Runs right between the tackles, makes one guy miss, takes a hit, but it's second and it's third and one. Yeah. Then you hit Bell on the easy one, Bell over the top, and Keon. That is terrifying for defensive coordinators because the quarterback wants to run, they're going pass first, and they're not just taking cheap one-on-ones where they believe that they're going to win the 50-50s. They're also scheming things open underneath, which means that I have to defend the entirety of the field two different ways as a pass defense. Too many weapons, too many weapons. And the quarterback run. Yeah, too many Yikes. weapons. It's it's the best thing the team has going for it. It's just so many weapons that you, you're going to find a one-on-one somewhere. And a lot of times they scheme open a wide-open player, period. It's a one-on-none. You're not supposed to be able to do that. We will have some one-on-nuns, dudes just running with nobody around them. But in at least five different situations this past weekend, not including screens, which were dialed up beautifully. And I'm talking about that's back-to-back weeks with the screens being the timing coming around. Rub routes and all this kind of stuff. At least five different times you have an easy pitch and catch underneath, which we were in third and twos and third and fours earlier in the season. We're trying to throw 40 yards down the field to drive you nuts Yep, because there's the underneath thing. It even happened against Duke in the first half. There's a one-on-one to Johnny on the right side of the end zone where Kyle Morlock is wide the hell open, yeah. first down. He does that more? Dude, this is the offense that we were talking about, which is you can't defend it all. You the, just can't. The only counter is that that's true. You're all you're right about all of that. I see that, too. I've gone back and watched these games, and I've talked about the, the progression of Jordan Travis and what I think is happening, and it is a, a willingness to be patient. It is a willingness to run. It is utilizing your weapons. I think one of the best things that could have happened to them was having guys miss games, oddly, has really aided in his ability to spread the ball around. It was born out of necessity, uh, as they say, the mother of invention, right? And so what happens is you get you get accustomed to doing that, and all of a sudden, what happens? 
You get confidence in those guys, guys that you wouldn't have been as confident in before. Why you would have always had a default to throw it up in a non-scheme deep ball uh, in hopes that you win a jump ball. That's not a play. I mean, that's just that's a hope, okay? That's not running offense. That's, okay, I got a better player than you got. I'll, When in doubt, I'll give him a chance. But that's not schemed that way. Right Now these things are schemed. These shot plays are schemed. And they, they, they develop over the course of a game a situation where a defense feels like they're being run ragged, where they cannot cover it all. Because I've got you going east and west, and then I'll get you going north and south. And now I've got you going back east and west, and now I've got you going north and south. And now my quarterback, because you just went into man, is going to go ahead and run for nine yards because you left him with the ability to see what you're in, and he'll walk over to that chain and get the first down. I mean, this is... This is how when Mike gets into those rhythms, and, and Mike is as good as there is in football when he gets into a rhythm. You watch the play calling when he's right, when he's feeling it, and Jordan's executing that, they're simpatico. This becomes a, oh, we, oh this I could do anything I want to you right now. You are screwed. And you can see the look, the exacerbated sort of, what can we Whoa. do? But that's how you should feel when you have to guard – Jordan Travis and his mobility and Johnny Wilson and his height when he's in there and when you start getting everybody else back, when Destin's there and Akeem's there and then, of course, you have Keon, who's a beast, and then you already have Jaheim and Morlock is really coming on. And good Lord, you've got five running backs that you like. You can keep going and going and going. That's what you should feel. The only counter I was going to say, Tom, is that that's what we had hoped for. And we're seeing it. But the offensive line is not going to be what we thought it could be. It's just not going to get there. Not in run blocking. No. I think in pass protection, it's got a shot. It's but gotten the, better in pass protection. But yeah. the thing is, like, even if that puts you in a position where as a defense you're in one-on-ones, I would argue one-on-one is offense. It just doesn't need to be the whole of your offense. Because at some point when you play better teams, like you're going to be down the stretch, certainly in the playoff if you make it there, you're going to have to win a one-on-one. Keon's just going to have to be better than the guy across from him that plays for Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, whoever it's going to be. He's just going to have to win some of those situations. And in a way, we know that for a fact from the first four games of the season that you can go there and you can do that. But when you combine the one-on-ones, because the final play of that drive is just a straight, he sees it's a one-on-one before the the snap. All right, I'm going to throw to Keon. That's good offense. But when you combine it with the sequencing, what you're talking about, getting guys' eyes going left and right, north and south. Yeah, the sequence of plays. It all plays together in such a a scary way. And also, I think it it shows that we are a pass-first offense this year. We just have to be. Well, Mike could have called me weeks ago. (laughs) You got his number? You should have called him. Coach, I was thinking. Mike, I know you really want to hear from me right now. I'm, I'm tired of you banging your head against the wall here, Coach. Now, we all know what this team is. Just because you want it to be something else doesn't make it so. Now, let's go ahead and be this thing. Accept who you are. He would have loved it. Thanks, Jeff. Click. <laughs> Jack is the owner of the goldfish. We're up against a break, but I wasn't going to ignore the fact that the owner of the goldfish in this continuing story is a listener of the show and hanging out and uh, in the chat and he's noting that Garnet the Goldfish will be on the flight to Pittsburgh tomorrow. Now, listen, I'm going to have one request from you, Jack, if, in fact, you are who you say you are. If you are... be strange for him to pay to be somebody else. If you are the owner of the Goldfish, Garnet the Goldfish, uh, 
don't tell us when he dies. Uh, or that he already has right, several right. times. Oh, sure. These fish are yeah. fickle. They die easily. They're always flushed down toilets. This is what happens. I got it. But I want you to know, sometimes we want to be lied to. Let Garnet live on for as long as he can live on, certainly through this season. No, it could be 2035, and we're still, it's still the same It's, it's amazing. Right. You just keep on. You replace him as you need to. We don't need to know about it. We're just going to assume it's the same original Garnet. Over under two and a half Garnet the goldfish already in existence. You know, they could do it like Ugga. We could have Garnet seven by the time we get to, you know, the ACC championship game. I'm just going to put my trust in, in Jack here that that is the original Garnet. And okay. uh, he's doing fine. The original. The, the original Garnet is kicking ass. Keep it rolling. Good job, Garnet the goldfish. Way to keep those winds mounting. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just huh? make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Talk Radio, War Chant TV. So those picks are up, War Chant TV, you know that already. You're good to go, and I'll have some NFL stuff tomorrow. Lee Sterling will join us tomorrow. My mom moved back up two games against me because uh, Cleveland couldn't hold a lead with 30 seconds to play in the game. Sorry-ass Cleveland. But that, that happens. That happens. I haven't even checked the NFL slate this weekend, Tom. I haven't. I've been locked in on college football. Well, with these midweek games, you get you get locked in. You get, you got plenty to watch. Plus the World Series. Congratulations to Texas winning their first ever World hey, Series. You got to fire off the text. I, I sent it. I sent it last night. I waited for the final out and I sent it to him, and um, he sent something sweet back. But it made me smile to know that a really good guy, um, 
who has been a loyal and intelligent Texas Rangers fan for a long time. Um, those are the fans you love, it, no matter who they root for. If you find them to be, like, I, I mean, I know some Braves guys that know the farm system, that know everybody. Any fan base or any fan that you meet for whomever they root for, even if you don't like that team, you can be happy for when something like this happens for them, the ones that get it. Once they signed Jacob DeGrom, I knew they were going to win it all. So, by the way, that's the funny thing. When you look at the Rangers, you know, they sign him. He gets hurt out for the year, doesn't come back, doesn't play. So, that doesn't do anything for him. But now Jacob DeGrom has a ring, and uh, and so does uh, your boy who went over there and really was ineffective when he, he – He was terrible. <laughs> yeah. He was below replacement level, Max Scherzer. Yeah. And he, too, gets to win a ring. Like, whatever for him. <laughs> I'm happy for Jakey, though. Jake pitched a lot of really, really brilliant baseball for my ball club. And we didn't do anything with it. So it's only apropos that he does nothing and he gets the ultimate reward. I think that's perfectly symmetrical for his career. Uh, I would also say, man, baseball is the weird. We, we do it all the time. Baseball is the weirdest sport, and it's one that you have to really deal with uh, having to live with failure. It's a game of failure, right? Like, even if you're great, as they used to say, you know, you're succeeding uh, three times out of ten as a hitter. You know, and that's if you're great. <laughs> so you have to compartmentalize and deal with failure. Well, think about Corey Seager, who wins the MVP after that disastrous season. And then my man, and I don't mean this regular season, I mean the year before where he was, my man goes six for 23, walked three times, hit three home runs, had a double, drove in six, won the MVP. It was his second time winning the MVP. He took that home with the Dodgers as well. He joined Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and Reggie Jackson as the two-time MVP of a World Series. That, that is heady company. And there was no dispute that he was the one who deserved it. Yeah. And for the Rangers, they joined the club of World Series champions for the first time, and that club... Had uh, never seen that happen, and that they began play as the Washington Senators back in 1961. That's who they were, and moved to Texas in '72. Uh, but you know what's this is the thing about baseball, what they did, and if you just go through the the period, like when I was making my notes, I just looked at the periods of the people they signed and how many people were also homegrown and which ones weren't. And so they began building a few years ago with some key components here. And then, um, you know, they built up decently enough with their prospects. Uh, and then they spent on some free agents, you know, at the at just the right time where they're like, okay, our, our good young players are ready. We need four or five guys. Not all, not all the guys worked out. Some of them did, obviously, like Corey Seager. But you would look at a few and you'd say, okay, that, let's sprinkle this guy here. Let's put, take a flyer on this guy here that will be a plus player. And let's do this. And then you bring in ultimately Bruce Bochy who gets to act as a grown-up in the room, and that turns out to be a really vital hire because they convince him to unretire and come back. Well, the reason I say that it's a vital hire is because this is as untraditional a run to the World Series as you'll ever see. They start out great, and everybody's like, oh, that team right there can hit. They, I don't know if they can pitch, but they can hit. And they'll be in it this year. This will be fun to watch. Maybe take a flyer. Maybe sprinkle some pizza money on Texas to win the AL, right? That's where they were for much of the beginning of the season. And then they go through this disastrous run where you're like, oh, it was a nice story, but ultimately their pitching caught up to them. They're not good enough. It's not going to work out. And when you have stretches and seasons where you lose 20 of 30, and they did, it's pretty easy to see it go off the rails unless you have a very veteran, calming presence who's been there, done that, seen it, and come out the other side. And that's Boach. 
So good for him, man. And he's only lost one out of his last fifteen playoff series. Is that right? Uh, he's he's a freak. He's he's all time unbelievable yeah man. there's some guys that have the magic wand man it's crazy he figured out how to wave that in the clubhouse and get guys to understand we don't need to panic here also is it just me or is it when a road team wins a world series like the night that they win the world series if they're on the road that they always add runs in the ninth inning i feel it like that weird. always happens yeah that's funny because you hardly that, yeah. ever get that bottom of the ninth two on two out down one run at bat usually it's broken yeah because like somebody adds on like the, the, the home run is hit right or it, you know center fielder just runs right past runs the baseball right past the baseball yeah. yeah you get a little little league triple but it feels like that always happens where you're you are robbed of that moment so you better enjoy the seventh and the eighth inning because that's where this game is going to be decided because that road team's going to add on in the ninth well speaking of Road teams will always remember this particular postseason for road teams dominating home teams. Now, baseball yeah. ultimately has always been a game where we talked about, you, you know, your home field advantage is really just your next day's pitcher. That's all that is. That's why you don't really ever factor, very rarely, Philadelphia is sometimes the exception, and even that blew up. Uh, you very rarely factor the ballpark, like at who's at home and who's away in baseball. You really just don't need to do it. Who's the better team? Who's going to win tonight's matchup based on the pitching matchup? We know it can go a lot of different ways. We understand that it doesn't always play out that way. But Texas wins this World Series and went 11-0 and on the road. 11-0. and 11-0. I mean, think, when they're down 3-2 to Houston and having to play in Houston, they're like, suck it. I mean, that is amazing and good for them. The satisfaction that a Rangers fan would have had driving to Houston for those two nights and sitting in that stadium and watching his team. Well, I mean, because they know that they're going to the World Series, all the Astros fans. No, they're sure of it. They're absolutely sure of it. And yet, and yet. Pitchers and catchers report in 103 days. Oh, jeez. I like pitchers and catchers reporting. I like the regular season more than I do the postseason. I like winning the winter <laughs> meetings. I'm a Mets fan after all. That's when we win. Oh, man. Lowest rated uh, games two and three, lowest rated World Series uh, in history. That makes sense. I don't really overly worry about this, but that is uh, that's something. That's the uh, lowest ever. People are like, no thanks. We got, to, we got no desire to watch Arizona play baseball. And many others were probably, well, who the hell's Texas? Yeah. Game two is on Saturday, right? I mean, that sport has been passed by college football. Oh. Just plain and simple. So it's like when you've got two non-compelling franchises in, in the scope of the history of the game, and then you've got college football Saturday on, yeah, you're screwed, man. Yeah, so according to Nielsen, yeah, the games two and three least watched uh, – Ever. Monday's 3-1 to victory by the Rangers averaged $8.13 million on Fox, according to national figures. Saturday's 9-1 to D-backs win averaged $8.15 million. Before last year, the least watched World Series game uh, of all time was the Dodgers and the Rays in Game 3 in 2020. Mm, COVID. Which averaged $8.34 million. Um, game 1 was also the least watched World Series opener ever recorded. Uh, the three-game average of 8.4 million at that time when those when Nielsen released it a few days ago. Now we'll have to see follow up for games four and five. I don't imagine they were appreciably better, Tom. Uh, but no, not four. No, I, I don't imagine so. So, but we'll, the, Nielsen will come out with that soon enough. But that three-game average uh, had them on pace for it to be the 
least viewed World Series of all time, of course, and and that was pri- prior, obviously, the Rays and the Dodgers. That's still a big number, though. You're talking oh, yeah. eights and fives. You know, hockey would do backflips for a three. So when the Astros beat the Phillies in six games last year, the average, just to give you an idea, the average was 11.7 million. Right. 11.7. That's quite a bit different. And what did we do for LSU, like eight or nine? So I guess the World Series does still by itself draw. Yeah, by itself, even yeah. when two teams that nobody cares about. Yeah. I mean, that's the least watched ever, and it was still eight point whatever, eight point three. So you know, I mean, it it's still. Well, the the cable numbers tell you that it's worth investing in. I mean, people watch their teams. It's just their become team. it's yeah. become a community thing, though. They watch their team. They ain't watching your team, but they're watching their team. Uh, that's where it's changed. You know, I'm still of the original or the last of the the the, the era of people that uh, or generation of people that grew up where baseball was in my youth, still the biggest thing. They had Monday Night Baseball when I grew up. It was a big damn deal. Like it, you, when I was a little kid. That sounds ridiculous. I, by the way, I know Monday Night. When baseball. I was a little kid, like I'm talking about seven or eight years old, when you get into little league. When I was a little kid, I would beg my parents to stay up to watch the baseball game of the week. Like this, this was a thing, Tom. Like you could, you wanted to watch it. I can remember the World Series. The Pirates won it in '79. I think the year before was that Yankees Dodgers, uh, right in there. I can still remember the, like the big deal it was to be able to stay up into like the fourth or fifth inning and wanting to see that and begging my parents to stay up. Now, also, I grew up at a time where playoff games were played in the middle of the afternoon on the regular, and World Series games could be first pitch 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, it, it happened. And there were four channels. <laughs> Pretty much. If you were lucky. PBS. channel. Oh, if Saint, in St. Petersburg, you had Channel 3, which is PBS, and then you had 8, 10, and 13. So that's ABC, CBS, and NBC. Then later on, Fox came around, and that, I think, was Channel 44. It then became 10. Yeah. Yeah. Or 13. Or 13. Thir- yeah. So yeah. then that that's what that was, yeah. Yeah, CBS is WTSP. It's 10. What was WOR in your youth? Uh, an EMI service. Um, six? 16? I used to. I So to, WWR, for me. WWR. I did get Mets games when we yeah. first moved down there. Oh, when yeah. I was a kid, you had WGN, you had WOR, and then you had TBS. So you could get the. That's why so many people are Cubs fans, Braves fans, or Mets fans. That's what. That's why. It was I Dream of Jeannie, yep. Bewitched, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and Mets Baseball. That's all that channel had. Oh. Maybe, maybe Amen. You know, <laughs> Amen was on at night with Sherman Helmsley. I Dream of Jeannie. All-time great show. For a young boy growing up, oh my goodness, I dream of Jeannie. Jeff Cameron Show 93. It also had Bonanza. My dad uh, would want to watch Bonanza uh, during dinner. Watch. I would always leave. Uh, Terrible. Get out of here, Bonanza. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio Warshad TV. The Jeff Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Night for college football. Who's the pro game tonight? 
All right. The internet exists, Jeff. I'm just glad we're not. Oh, okay. So is this Tennessee-Pittsburgh? Is that what we got tonight? It is. Tennessee-Pittsburgh. You know, they usually promo these things to hell that you know what the game is, and I had no idea, too. Yeah, um, I I watch, but somewhat disinterestedly, uh, Thursday night NFL football. I don't I don't love it, um, but maybe I'll tune in to see Will Levis tonight, huh? The best thing to do is use the Amazon broadcast. That is the uh, I don't even know what they call it. It's like their all twenty two broadcast. So they have the wide angle all twenty two from the top of the stadium, and then every once in a while. The play-by-play will be interrupted by some guy who's telling you advanced stats from Amazon Web Services about percentages and, and trends. It's really, but really. You, so you get the you get the coach's film is what you're yes, watching the entire time. And and I oh, I wish I wish I could just have the in stadium sound instead of the broadcasters. Time was very you briefly. Could do it. I'll bet you the broadcasters union said, "Hell no, we're not walking down this path." Because MLB TV used to let you have just the sounds of the stadium. As an option. Oh, man. And for a long baseball season, you'd love that. You're like, all right, just give me the sound yeah. of the ballpark, you hear man. Popcorn, yeah, popcorn, cold beer. Crack of the bat. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. The sound of the ball hitting the mitt. Uh, but, yeah, so Levis, Levis is going to start. And why not if you're the Titans? I mean, you've drafted quarterback here the last couple of years. Uh, you got to find out if one of those dudes can play. And Tanny Hill is what he is. So, move, move it along. Tomorrow night, you can test that theory from the Redemption Thursday pick. Because tomorrow night in the ACC, you get Boston College and Syracuse. There you go, a little Friday night, 7 o'clock. Which is strangely interesting, maybe only to us. Yeah, 7.30, actually. It's on ESPN2 tomorrow. I'll be watching. Yeah, I will be because I've got a bet on it. <laughs> but I, I may match your bet. <laughs> I kind of like that bet. Hey, you know what we get this Sunday, though? Wait, real quick. I'm looking at ESPN.com right now. It says Syracuse minus three. Did somebody pass away? What's going on here with okay. Boston College? No, I told you, man. I couldn't believe it. That's why I took the money line. I've got Boston College winning the game outright. In I my head, I thought that was a pick 'em. You took the money line. I oh took the goodness. money line. I took I took Boston College to straight up win the game, and I took my plus money. Ah, man, when I saw the board, I read that as a pick 'em, not as money line. Yeah, no, I took them and use minus three. Yeah, it's a strange. I don't know where it is, Tom. I don't know where they get it from. I, Syracuse is terrible. <laughs> They're terrible. Now, listen, I'm not trying to tell you Boston College is great shakes, but they've turned their season around here, and they can go to a bowl. So, I mean, it, with a win. Syracuse is looking for their first ACC win tomorrow night. Maybe that's what it's about. They're circling the wagons yes, for Dino. Sorry, Dino, Babers, and Syracuse. But here's what I am looking forward to this weekend, and that's Miami and Kansas City. Now, the Dolphins have got to circle that game. Uh, well, it's in Frankfurt, of course. And that field sucks. And why would you play a game of this magnitude in Frankfurt? I'm not sure that the German field is bad. That no, was the no. one that was the home run last year, wasn't well, it? Well, the Bucks hated it. Well, they hated a lot of things. No, but no, 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 no. They, they complained specifically that they've had the change. They changed the field. They just the NFL went over and changed the field. Well, it'll be a good field then. We hope. One would think. That atmosphere in Germany, though, is a keeper. We need to play games there and not in London. That I agree with. In terms of atmosphere, it's awesome. They seem to love the game in a way that's like more commiserate to what you see in the States. People on the desk of the postgame were ready to cry. They're like, the- I remember so Bjorn Warner. Happy. It yeah. was awesome. Bjorn yeah. Warner was able to be interviewed repeatedly and talk about his love of American football and how it's growing in Germany. 
There is this push, and we know it's all financially based. Uh, you're always trying to grow your sport. And, you know, I've, I've talked about the unnecessary games in London forever, and I just don't see how they're ever going to make this work, but they keep trying. They're going to keep expanding. They're going to keep going to other countries. And so they don't – I mean, obviously, people with better business sense than me are making these decisions, but I don't, I don't see it. They envision a day where there are teams in Europe like there used to be NFL Europe, right? And that those teams are going to be part of the NFL and that they're going to be able to set up the scheduling properly to where you play three straight games in the States, you get your body clock adjusted and you're here for three straight games, then you go home and they I – mean, I just don't see it. But they insist. That said, I think while you're experimenting, I need, I understand you want to put some games over there that might be compelling – but, man, don't waste a Kansas City and Miami game, which is awesome. This game should not be in Frankfurt, Germany. We should be watching this on Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football. You get Cowboys-Eagles. Another big game for the Cowboys. It, it is. But I, that game has potential to be very, very good, and there aren't many that do. You're right. Uh, Cowboys-Eagles, very good, 425 on Fox in Philadelphia. Who in their right minds thinks that Dallas is going to go in and beat Philadelphia? They won't. They won't. They, whenever they get these opportunities to beat somebody of consequence, here comes the ass kicking. And we're all just sitting there going, this is gross. Once again, what are we doing with this? Meanwhile, our Bucks play Houston. Ugh. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, we don't have much. Hey, Buffalo at Cincinnati. We get that on a Sunday night at eight o'clock. That should be good. That should be really good. My man got his magic back, buddy. Old Joe's healthy again. Joe looks good. Oh, Joe's right. That calf healed up nice. Played through it because he's a tough man. Now he's throwing darts. And Josh Allen is not healthy. So there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, excuse making begins in Buffalo. Here we go. Old Joe Burrow going to be slinging it around a lot, buddy. <laughs> Little Paycor Stadium. Man, maybe that's your Christmas present is a Burrow jersey. What color do you want, the white or the or the, the black? Wh- the white. The white? Yeah, I want the the white jersey. I don't want any orange on it. Give me that, that weird black and white one that they do. Yeah. Kind of like the Memphis alternate? Yeah, I want that. I want the... You know, they got me yesterday or two days ago. These advertisers are smooth, man. Especially at fan sided or whatever, they get me. They or a fan, uh, what is it called? Fanatics. Fanatics. Yeah, I was gonna say you're reading fan sided. I don't even know what that is. I it's just a, it's uh, a network of uh, articles and so forth. Is it good? Is it? Is it's it, uh, is it sports related. It's like a wannabe SB Nation. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah. misspoke. I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. So it's fan. That should say it all. <laughs> right, 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 right. I got it. I got no disrespect, it. though, to people. I worked for a fan sided side for four months for the Buccaneers. No, no disrespect. Paid uh, the bills. Wrote on um, Savvy Piscatelli. Sorry, bastard. Uh, it was like 200 bucks. Yeah. So would you say it was fanatics? Yeah. They got me. They, in the crosshairs, they know what I like. I'm sitting there, minding my own business, watching the game. Want to look something up, go to either X or to, uh, say, Instagram, scroll, type in a name, see what's going on, and then within a second, they're like, don't you love this Buccaneers throwback, Jeff? Take a look at it. And by the way, Jeff, we love you. 
We're going to give you 30% off if you send us your email. Oh, there you a go. A little 30% off, are we? Well, you've enticed me. You have my attention. And then I look at it, and I see that's one of seven options. And then I look, and I go, well, what's behind door number two? Oh, an even better sweatshirt. Oh, swipey, swipey. Yeah, and I've looked now at two, and they're like, how about 40% off, Jeff? Because I haven't yet clicked on the offer. Smooth, smooth, smooth. I'm like, oh, we're up to 40. Yeah. What if I swipe again and don't click on the link? Can we? Get, am I hearing 50% well, off? You know what? How about 90% off? A month of Warchant.com for $1. served it up, Tom Wayne. Mm, how about 95% off at two months? Oh, forget about it. $1. Seriously, it's a buck. Warchant.com, code FSU in the number how one. How could you not? But they've got me. My wife, did you just buy another sweatshirt? We live in Florida. You have nine. Why? None of them look like this one, babe. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with. 